Hebrews chapter number four. For those of you who might be visiting, we are going through the book of Hebrews, preaching through the book of Hebrews, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And this is the passage that we have for this morning. Oftentimes we'll we'll preach a, a standalone sermon on, on a special day like Easter or something like that, but um, we felt like this, this passage fit right in. Um, so we're going to be here in Hebrews chapter number four. This, the title of the message this morning is Rejoicing in a Risen Mediator. Rejoicing in a Risen Mediator. Let's take a look at the, the verses here, starting in verse number 14. It says this, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The big idea this morning is this, that because of the resurrection, we have a mediator who stands before the Father, having offered the perfect sacrifice, providing grace and mercy to undeserving sinners. I'll read that again. Because of the resurrection, we have a mediator who stands before the Father, having offered the perfect sacrifice, providing grace and mercy to undeserving sinners. For those of you who are taking notes, we're going to keep coming back to this. So it's okay. I'll, I'll say it multiple times. Feel free to take a picture if you want to, though. The passage starts off with this phrase, since then we have a great high priest. We've seen this, uh, this concept given to us multiple times so far in the book of Hebrews. Um, and, and we'll delve more into this concept of Jesus being the, the great high priest and, and the tabernacle and, and all the different things that are involved with that later on because Hebrews is going to keep coming back to it. So I won't spend a lot of time this morning uh, diving into that. But, but just to understand a little bit about what the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about when he, when he says that Jesus is our great high priest, uh, we need to understand a little bit about the role of the high priest. The high priest uh, began with Aaron, the brother of Moses. Uh, God made Aaron the first high priest, and then all of his descendants afterwards. Uh, there would, there were only through his line would be the high priests, and this was a very special special position because it was a position of religious leadership and authority over the nation of Israel. If you remember, the nation of Israel started off as a theocracy. God was the one in charge. They didn't have a king right away. God ruled over the nation of Israel, and he did so generally through the high priest. He was, he was the religious leader. He was the, the, the spokesman for God. It was his job to declare to the people of Israel God's will. When there was a question, they would go to, um, to the high priest, and he would discern God's will. Um, but one of the most important aspects of the role of the high priest is that he was a mediator between God and his chosen people, Israel. He was a mediator. What do I mean by that? The word mediator, mediator means a person who attempts to make people involved in a conflict come to an agreement 
or, or to be a go-between, to be, to be kind of somebody who, who comes in and, and brings two different enemies, basically, uh, back together. See, each year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would make a sacrifice to atone for the people of Israel, for the sins of the nation of Israel. And as part of his duties, he would go beyond the veil in the tabernacle or in the temple. And again, we'll, we'll get into this in more detail, but there were, there were two sections in the tabernacle, um, in the, the building part of the tabernacle or in the temple. There was the, the holy place where the priests would go in and they would, they would conduct a lot of their service. And then there was the, the most holy place, or depending on your translation, might be the holy of holies, right? And, and, and that was a place that was reserved for the presence of God. And between those two, there was a veil. And only one time per year on this day of atonement, only one person could go beyond that veil. And they went there to offer the sacrifice to God for the sins of the people of Israel. And that was really one of the most important roles of this mediator, of this high priest. Again, we'll go into that in more detail in the days ahead. But it's important for us to understand why this, this writer of Hebrews is making this correlation between Jesus and the, the earthly high priest that, that the nation of Israel were used to, that these Hebrews that were reading this book would, would have understood, would have, been, would have recognized. It's, it's normal to them to, uh, to speak in these terms of, of the high priest. And again, this is not a new statement in the book of Hebrews. Uh, back in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, it said, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers, speaking of Jesus, in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. In the next chapter, verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. We're going to see this theme over and over and over again in the book of Hebrews as we go through it of Jesus as our great high priest, really Jesus as our mediator, as our go-between. We see also in this verse, not just that we have a high priest, since then we have a great high priest uh, who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. He ends this verse by saying, let us hold fast our confession. Have you heard that before? It seems like almost every other week we're coming across a reference in Hebrews of holding fast our confession, holding fast our hope, holding fast what we know Jesus Christ has done, the gospel of Jesus Christ, holding fast to it. Because Jesus is our mediator, our high priest, we can hold fast our confession, our hope, and our faith. Because it's not a faith in our efforts, but in what Jesus Christ has done. Are you thankful for that this morning? This Resurrection Sunday, are you thankful for what Jesus Christ has done for us? For what we celebrate this morning? Jesus is our high priest. He is our risen mediator. He is our risen mediator. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6 says this, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. 
Because of the resurrection, we have a mediator. Because of the resurrection, we have a mediator. I want to look at three aspects of this mediator this morning as we see them here in verses 14 through 16 of the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Three aspects of this mediator. The first one is that our mediator is man, yet God. Our mediator is man, yet God. Usually a mediator is a third party that that is brought in to come between two uh, people who are at disagreements, or or maybe you've heard of a mediator or an arbitrator. Uh, Oftentimes these are are third party people who are coming in. They they, they try not to have a side, right? They want to bring everyone together on equal terms. And I find it interesting that Jesus really is the perfect mediator, Because he is man, yet God. He is the absolute perfect mediator. He is both God and man. He's able to represent both sides perfectly. Have you ever thought about that? Because he is both man and God, he's able to be the perfect mediator. That's really what this passage is talking about. Jesus Christ is our perfect go-between, our perfect mediator mediator. We have this phrase here. It says that uh, he who has passed through the heavens, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Now there's a couple of different ways that I view this. I think there's one primary way that, that the author of Hebrews is, is talking about, and we'll, and we'll get to that in a second, but there's a, a, a reality in which Jesus has passed through the heavens twice. And the first time is when he descended. When he left the the glories of heaven and came to earth. Now he didn't pass bodily through the heavens, but he descended from heaven, from the glories of heaven, from the praise of heaven and came to earth to be born of a woman in the form of a servant to die on a cross. Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight, you're Many here are familiar with that as we just finished the book of Philippians not long ago. It says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's interesting in that first Timothy or that second Timothy, first Timothy passage, Paul calls him uh, the man Christ Jesus. We have a mediator, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus absolutely was a man. He wasn't just like a man. He wasn't just similar to mankind. He was and is a man. He is human. He has the same flesh that we have, or he did. Now his is glorified and we look forward one day to ours being glorified as well. He is man. God became man. That's the the other big thing that we celebrate, is it not? Christmas The reminder that God became man, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus Christ is man. 
And because of that, he can stand before the Father as the perfect representative for us because he is man. Second, and more clearly probably what the the writer of Hebrews is, is thinking of when he says that he's passed through the heavens is the reality of Jesus Christ ascending. He descended to become man, and now he has ascended back to his rightful place in glory with the Father as God. Acts chapter 1 verses 6 through 11 gives us this, this story. So when they had come together, this is the disciples, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're, they were ready for him to, to rule and reign right there. He, he'd done all this sacrifice stuff that they probably really didn't completely understand quite yet. But, but now that, that's done. Isn't it time for you to, 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 re, to restore the kingdom, to take control? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, he went, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Our mediator is man yet God. He has passed from the earth to the heavens, but we know that he, what, he came from heaven. He came as God in human form. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 tells us this. In the beginning was the Word. If you notice, that word Word is capitalized. It's referring to Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jumping down to verse 14, it says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Colossians 1, 19-20, again speaking of Jesus, says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He's not just like God. He is God. He's not just like man. He is man. He can stand before the Father as the perfect representative of God because he is God. He can stand before the Father as the perfect representative for man because he is man. He has ascended to the Father and is before Him as our advocate and our mediator. Are you thankful that we have a mediator that is both man and God? Because of the resurrection, we have a mediator who stands before the Father. Are you thankful that He is interceding for us even now? Secondly, our mediator is sympathetic yet perfect. He's sympathetic, yet perfect. Verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest 
who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. If we have a mediator, it begs the question, why? Why do we have a mediator? Why do we need a mediator? Despite what we would like to think, mankind is not generally good. We like to put ourselves up on a pedestal. You know, we'll do kind things. We'll do, we'll do nice things for people. And usually it's more to make ourselves feel good than anything. And we look around and we may even compare ourselves to somebody else and say, well, I'm not like that murderer or I'm not like that, that robber. I'm not like that person who's doing that thing that I would never do. But the reality is none of us are good. We're all sinners. In fact, Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We're the descendants of those people. We are exactly the same way. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says this, as it is written, none is righteous. It's pretty plain. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands God. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Very famous verse, Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's pretty, pretty clear. No one is good. Every human being is a sinner. Every human being has broken God's law. Every human being deserves God's punishment. Deserves God's wrath. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Every lie that you've told, the wrath of God is revealed against that. All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Romans 5 verse 10 says this, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Notice that first phrase there, for while we were enemies. We have rejected the truth And in so doing, we have rejected God. We have raised our fist to God in defiance of who He is as our Creator. Seeking our own way, not seeking to obey Him. That's the reality of mankind. And as our Creator, God's just and righteous wrath is upon us. We deserve it. We have sinned against a holy and a perfect and a righteous and an infinite God. And because of that, we we deal with the curse. Everything around us seems to fall apart. Life is hard. There's a struggle. That's because of our parents, Adam and Eve, and their sin in the garden. 
But oftentimes we, we run into hardships of life simply because of our own poor choices, our own sins. But yet there is a judgment coming that is even worse than that. For all eternity, we will face the wrath of God and the justice of God forever and ever and ever. That's why we need a mediator. We need someone to bring us back into that right relationship with God. We need someone to restore that relationship, to to bring us back into fellowship with our creator. Because we are the ones who have wandered away. God's not just given us a mediator who's both God and man. He's given us a mediator who understands our struggle. He understands our struggle. That's what this verse 15 is talking about. He sympathizes with our weaknesses and he's experienced our temptations. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be tempted to do evil. He's gone through it. You know, there's, there's three things that we say are, are, the, are the, the main temptations as, as Christians. We, it's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, and Jesus experienced all three of those temptations. He experienced the world pulling at him, trying to get him to do what, what they wanted him to do. Think of the throngs of people as he did miracles and as he would preach. And oftentimes as he would preach the truth, people would turn away. They didn't, they didn't want to hear the truth from him. They just wanted to see the miracles. They just wanted to be healed physically. They didn't want to know how God wanted them to live. They just wanted what's going to be good for me, what, what, what I like, what makes me feel better. They didn't just want a miracle, man, but they also wanted someone to deliver them. Someone to deliver them from the, from the oppression and the rule of the Romans. They were looking for a Messiah who would be a warrior, who would raise them up and triumph in battle over the Romans. That's who they wanted. That's who they wanted Jesus to be. And he had to face the temptation and the push of the world asking him to be someone that he was not supposed to be. He had the temptation of the flesh. Just like we do. He experienced physical needs and desires. He was not immune to that. He experienced hunger and thirst and pain and exhaustion. He even experienced homelessness. He experienced our emotions, anger, sorrow, frustration. He's experienced all these things. He even experienced the temptation of the devil. Matthew chapter 4. The devil comes and he gives him three temptations. He, first it was the allure of Satan. He, he said, you're, you've been fasting for 40 days. Surely you're hungry, Jesus. Why don't you, you're a miracle worker. Why don't you turn these, these stones into bread and eat something? And Jesus refused. And then he, he took him up on a high uh, place and he, and, he, and he used scripture even to try to get Jesus to tempt the father by throwing himself off so that God would save him. 
and he refused. And then he offered him everything in the world if he would just switch his allegiance from the Father to Satan. And Jesus refused. You may be familiar with an ad campaign that was run recently with the words, He gets us. He gets us. And that's true. He does get us. But it's only half the story. He gets us because He's been through everything that we've been through. He's been through the struggles and the hardship of life and the temptations that we face. He gets us. Yet without sin. Yet without sin. He is sympathetic, but he is sinless. It's interesting when you look at the high priest as on that day of atonement as he is supposed to to give this offering to God for the people, he has to cleanse himself first. He has to, to make an offering for himself before he can make an offering for the people. Why? Because he's a sinner too. Because he's not perfect. He, he has sinned himself. And Leviticus 16, 11 through 13 says this, Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself, and he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two hands of sweet incense beaten small. And he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. God is a holy God. And he requires holy people. And we are not. But Jesus is. Jesus is sympathetic, but he's also perfect. He's the perfect offerer. The perfect offerer. Second Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus knew no sin. 1 John 3.5 says this, You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. 1 Peter 2.22-23, He committed no sin. <coughs> Excuse me. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus, as our high priest and as our mediator, is able to stand before the Father as the perfect offerer. But he's also the perfect offering. The perfect offerer, offering the perfect offering. Because of our sin, we deserve judgment. We've turned against our creator and we deserve the wrath of God. But as Andy pointed out earlier this morning, there's two words in scripture that are the greatest words in the entire book, but God, but God, even though we are dead in our trespasses and sins, God stepped in. Are you thankful for that this morning? 
Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Romans 5, 8, again, But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's the ultimate love. John 10, 17 through 18, Jesus is speaking. He says this, For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Notice this word. No one takes it from me. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus is the perfect self-sacrificing offer that reconciles us to God. He is the perfect offerer and the perfect offering. He is our mediator. Because of the resurrection, we have a mediator who stands before the Father having offered the perfect sacrifice. Verse 16, our mediator is ruler, yet merciful. Our mediator is ruler, yet merciful. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice there that there's a throne. There's a throne there. There's a ruler that is there. And it's Jesus. He's the one who's on the throne. Our mediator is our ruler. He's on the throne. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 12 through 13 says this, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. This is a throne of judgment. It's a throne of judgment. Jesus is the one who will judge. The one who has paid the sacrifice is the one who will judge those who do not receive it. John 5.20 says this, For the Father loves me, the Son, and shows him, loves, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he ha- himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. The one who rejects me, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 48, the one who je- rejects me and does not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. It's Christ's words that will judge us. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of whom? Of Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The apostles preaching in Acts 17 verses 30 and 31 said this, the times of ignorance God overlooked, 
but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. That one who will judge is the one we celebrate as being risen this morning. Jesus is the ruler. He is on the throne. But it's not just a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. Isn't that what the author said? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. So that we can receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We do not have to come to this throne in fear. We can come in confidence. Not because of anything that we have done, not because of anything that that we bring with us, but by the blood of the risen Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, we can come confidently to the throne of grace and get mercy and help. There's grace, first of all, in salvation. John 1, 12 through 13, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Galatians 4, 4 through 5, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because Jesus has made the perfect sacrifice through his death on the cross. Because Jesus has risen in victory over death and sin and hell, we can be transformed from enemies of God to his adopted children. Can you imagine adopting your enemy? Bringing your enemy into your family. Making them an heir of everything that you have. That's what God has done for those who believe. Not only is there grace and mercy for, through salvation, but there's grace and mercy to walk in this weary life. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 reminds us that we still have the flesh. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. In Romans, Paul reminds us that sin is always with us. The flesh is always with with us. He says, the things that I want to do, I I find myself not doing. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. The flesh is, is with us always. But we have grace and help through Jesus Christ, through this Holy Spirit. We're still going to have the flesh. We're still going to have struggle. We're, gonna, we're still going to have hard times. First Peter 4, 12 through 14 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange has happened to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad 
when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Our mediator gives us grace to live for him. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Because of the resurrection, we have a mediator who stands before the Father, having offered the perfect sacrifice, providing grace and mercy to undeserving sinners. My question for you this morning is, do you have that mediator? Do you know Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior, as your Master? Or is He just somebody that you've heard about? Somebody that, that these church people talk about? Maybe you've even grown up in church and and you know all the stories, but yet you're still the enemy of God. Jesus is calling for you this morning. Repent. Repent, it means to change your way of thinking, to to turn from following after yourself and, and your own desires and the things that you want and to turn to Christ and follow after Him to be His disciple. And believe, repent and believe that Jesus is who he said he was. That Jesus is both man and God. That Jesus understands our suffering. He's sympathetic to it, but yet was perfect. and could be our perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins, to take upon himself the wrath of God. John chapter 3 Verses 16 through 18 says this, For God so loved the world. That means he he loved the world in this way. This is how he did it. That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But it goes on to say, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. See, all of us are under the wrath of God already. We're all condemned unless we turn from our sins and our selfishness and turn to Christ. And follow after Christ. I mean, if you'll come and prepare for communion this morning, as we celebrate a risen Savior, can you celebrate that risen Savior? We're going to celebrate as we remember His death on the cross as well. 
through communion. We practice open communion here. So that means that if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, we welcome you to join with us in communion. Um, if you are not a follower of Christ, we would ask that you uh, refrain from partaking. You'll see that there are two cups stacked together. Um, the bread will be in the bottom cup and then the juice will be in the top cup. But we want to welcome you all to join with us in this time of remembrance of Jesus Christ and what he has done, the sacrifice that he made. And as soon as, um, as, soon as I finish praying, the worship team will sing a song. If you know it, feel free to join in um, and the men will begin passing out uh, the elements at that time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that we have a mediator. who understands us, who knows our weaknesses, who knows our struggles, who's been tempted in every way just as we are and yet is the perfect sacrifice. A mediator who took upon himself the pain and the suffering and the agony that was necessary to bring us back into reconciliation, into a right relationship with our Creator. And Scripture tells us that you did this because you loved us. God, we cannot fathom how great you are. You are an infinite God. You are a holy God, a just and a righteous God, but yet you are a loving God and a merciful God and a gracious God. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that does not know the joy of your salvation, that they would not leave this place until they have turn from themselves and turn to you. Lord, we know that you are doing a work. You are building your church and I pray that you would help us to be faithful witnesses. I pray that your word would go forth with power and that lives would be changed, that men and women and boys and girls would be brought to Jesus Christ through the simple preaching of your word, through the simple sharing of the gospel from one friend to another. Lord, give us a passion to declare to the world that he is risen just as he said he would. And that because of that, we have a mediator who brings us back into fellowship with you. God, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for his sacrifice as we Remember him even this time. We pray that you would be doing a work in our hearts as we think of the body broken for us and the blood shed for us by our mediator. For it's in his perfect and righteous and holy name we pray. Amen.